You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, Google Play, Alexa, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you guys after a little bit of a much-needed break for myself, needed a couple days off from the Pelicans regroup after the end of the season as we start prepping the off-season coverage here because there's a lot still. And it's starting today, basically. We're going to save the big topics like DeMarcus Cousins and all of that as we get closer to free agency and when those are a little bit more timely. But there's still a lot to go over right now in the NBA. One, we have the game one It's going on right now as I record this. Between the Warriors and Rockets, there's a number of other topics as well, including stuff with the Pels. We're going to talk about what was said at exit interviews for Alvin Gentry and Dell Demps. They said all the right things. And then when you look at it, I read a little too much into it. Yeah, probably going to admit that here right now. But there's a bit of a contradiction in there, and that worries me, and I wonder what they're thinking. So we're going to talk about that contradiction. Then we're going to take a quick look at the lottery odds that are coming up tonight as the NBA draft lottery is getting set to go on. That's going to be a lot of fun. We'll run down the odds, who's likely to win, and then I'm going to tell you guys who you don't want to win and maybe who you do want to win. It just kind of depends. And then still the coaching carousel spins. We've got Dwayne Casey out as the Toronto head coach. I don't like that. I think that's a bad move, even though I really understand it. You've got Lloyd Pierce going to the Hawks. We'll talk about that one tomorrow, but we'll dive in on Casey today. So three topics here to get you guys started for the offseason on Locked On Pelicans. So the Pelicans had exit interviews late last week with general manager Dell Demps and head coach Alvin Gentry. And for the most part, they said all the things that you'd want to hear from him. So we'll run down kind of some of the main topics here, but I see a bit of a contradiction in it. And that's going to be a bit of a concern. Obviously, the first question that's on everyone's minds, and I have no doubt it's on your mind as well, is talking about DeMarcus Cousins and what's going on there. And Dell Demp said, The uncertainty is the elephant in the room, but knowing him and his competitive spirit and work ethic, we've seen guys have recovered from this injury, so it does change things, but I'm betting on DeMarcus. We've heard rumors that they might try and offer him, say, a two- or three-year deal instead of a five-year max, which is what I've been leaning towards in my gut feeling with everything. Um, So I think this shows they know there's some uncertainty here. Maybe it does put into question their minds if they should bring him back or not. I can tell you there's most likely going to be someone in that front office room saying, no, we should not spend the money on DeMarcus Cousins to bring him back. But they're all saying the right thing. You know, Demp said he has spoken to DeMarcus Cousins so far. Um, They definitely want him back. I think that's a big thing. But I think they understand that this is kind of a situation you're in. And, you know, if the right situation, and this is the quote from Dell Demps, it's, but if the situation presents itself, we want to go for it. I think if there's a situation that puts us in position to compete for a championship, we are going to go for it. That's been the mindset. So we're not just going to spend foolishly either. We're going to try and be efficient. We're going to try and maximize our financial situation. They know they're up against the luxury tax. And I think those quotes, keep in mind, 
that, yeah, they're mindful of it. But also, there was a, a letter from the now owner, Gail Benson, saying she thinks this team is headed in the right direction. And by all accounts, it sounds like if they think they can put a potential championship contender on the court next year, or one that maybe just needs one or two things to break their way to be a dark horse championship contender, they're going to make a run for it, and they will spend into the luxury tax. I think that's going to be one of the biggest things. Now, the other guy you all want to know about is... Rajon Rondo, Rajon Rondo, sorry. And he goes, you know, um, so I think that's one of the biggest things here. And that's where Del Demp says, we definitely want him back. I actually talked to him a little bit last night and his leadership. He's been there. I think he's embraced the look the guys gave him. I think he found a place where he felt his need wasn't always on the court. There were some games where we took him off the court when the team wasn't playing well and Alvin was going to put him back in. And he said, no, 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 keep me out. And you've seen him on the sidelines, not sitting there pouting or feeling sorry, but he's over there coaching and rallying guys. That's a great thing to hear. They know the importance that Rondo had. And in these exit interviews, it was clearly stressed at multiple times of team chemistry and continuity going forward. And this is where you start to kind of run into a potential contradiction, in my opinion. They know they've got to put a championship contender out there. You don't really have a choice. You've got to go for it. You have a bit of a window here. And so they want to run the same team back that they think can kind of grow. But at the same point, you have Alvin Gentry saying, let's climb a couple of steps before we start thinking about Houston and Golden State. Obviously, we feel we can play with those teams and compete with those teams, but he knows that this team isn't there yet. So if you just run the same team back, how are you going to get to their level unless you hope guys really make a leap or you hope that DeMarcus Cousins is that missing piece? And yes, they were certainly getting better with DeMarcus Cousins out on the court and having them out there and really starting to hit their stride when he went down injured. But you've got to wonder if that ever was really going to be a true championship contender. And right now the jury's still out because we don't know. We don't have the evidence for all of that. So that's kind of an issue and a problem with it. But I think we all feel kind of okay in saying that even with DeMarcus Cousins in that Warrior series, they weren't going to win. I mean, they were clearly outclassed in most of those games. Yes, some were close. But overall, the Warriors are a much better team, and Cousins himself wouldn't have changed that. And if you talk to people in the Warriors camp like I did, they'd say they'd rather have had DeMarcus Cousins out there because they felt they could run circles around him and that this team would be better off without him, and they were better off without him in this series, and that's why New Orleans made some of those games more competitive. Again, we don't have the evidence. We don't really know. But to preach continuity, we've been here before after a Warrior series back in 2013 when this team then fell flat on its face in the next season. A lot of that did have to do with injuries, yeah. But I do wonder if this team needs to do that move that Dell Demps talked about, and I played the, or I said the quotes for you guys of making that, finding that one additional piece. I'm not sure if it's Demarcus Cousins. I'm not sure if it's Cousins and someone else. But they need to keep their options open, and that might be why you see this team potentially let Demarcus Cousins walk. That if they want to make a move later down the line, you need to have at least some salary cap flexibility, not money to spend because you won't. If you let him walk with his 18 to what 22 million, whatever he's making this year, you don't have that to. Spend because you're over the cap, you can have some more breathing room against the hard cap, against the luxury tax, and that by itself is worthwhile when it comes to letting him walk potentially if you think you can get that other move made. If you don't, well, you got to keep talent on the team and you bring DeMarcus Cousins back and it's kind of as simple as that. With regards to Rondo, a lot of people like him, a lot of people like Ian Clark. 
the Pelicans don't have the bird rights to either of those guys. So one of the issues is going to be how much of the mid-level exception or the non-taxpayer uh, mid-level exception or the taxpayer mid-level exception, which one that whichever one they're going to be using, is how much do those guys take up of that? You can split those exceptions up. You only got one of them. And you might need to do it to re-sign both players, which means how do you bring new talent into this team that maybe does elevate you up a little bit because we saw the bench get very thin in the playoffs. They didn't step up nearly as much. So despite how good this season went, there's still like some major questions here that the Pelicans need to face. And of course, we'll tackle those as the offseason goes on. But the biggest thing I think really to take away was they feel they're in a good spot. It sounds like Gail Benson is going to pay the luxury tax and do what she can to help this team win. She was so impressed with them. Gentry and Demps are going to be back for next year. They want to build off of what they have here. They're saying it's with this team and letting them grow. I don't know if that's going to be the case. And then you have one of them say, well, we're not going to beat Golden State because we're not there yet. Or Houston, we're not there yet. Well, that means to me new talent because a lot of these guys aren't going to grow much further. I think we all know that. You know, Etwan Moore's not going to change as a player. Rondo's not going to all of a sudden start averaging 20. DeMarcus Cousins is going to be what he is. Davis, we've seen at the high level here. I don't know how much better Drew Holiday can play, and that's not a knock on him. That's saying that he was playing that damn good to end the season for the Pelicans. So where do they go from here? That's kind of the big question, which, of course, we'll tackle as we get closer to the offseason. But those are my main takeaways from exit interviews. Don't forget LockedOnPelicans.com, your number one spot for all things New Orleans Pelicans. Read it at work. We got some great content up there right now looking at the draft lottery, which we're going to talk about here in just a minute. So make sure you bookmark and check it every morning over at LockedOnPelicans.com. The draft lottery is tonight, and we've got some bad teams vying for the first pick and combinations and lottery balls and all of that fun stuff. And by the way, as a Pelicans fan, how nice is it to not really care that much about this whatsoever? No lottery pick, no pick maybe conveying if it doesn't land in the top three, top ten, what have you. The Pels made the playoffs, and we don't care whatsoever about the NBA lottery, right? Right? No, that's right. We're petty. We don't want teams in our division to end up with the number one overall pick. We don't want potentially a team that was kind of bad to all of a sudden get lucky and be in contention next year. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Memphis Grizzlies. We want those guys to fall so far down and get so screwed over because that would be fun. So that's what we're going to look at here. And we're going to go over what teams we don't want to win the NBA draft lottery. I'll give you guys a spoiler alert. It's basically any team in the Western Conference or the Southwest Division in particular. And hey, there's two of them in there right up at the top. Uh, three if you want to look at Western Conference. So looking at how it is right now. And as I'm recording this, the lottery is in 21 hours, 32 minutes and 42 seconds because there is a clock. You got Phoenix at the number one spot. They had a 21 and 61 record. For they, they're basically almost guaranteed a chance at the top three. In the lottery, you can only drop three spots because the lottery is for one, two, and three, not for any other position in there. So Phoenix, they have a 64.2% chance for a top three pick. Basically, they would need three teams below them all three teams to jump up for that. It's not a very likely scenario, though. Sometimes these things can happen. They have a 25% chance, a quarter, at the number one overall pick. Number two is Memphis, who finished a game behind them at 22-60. and 55.8% chance at the top three, and a 19.9% chance at the number one overall pick. Then you got Dallas, 24-58. and 58. 
42.6% chance of landing in the top three, and then a only a 13.8% chance at the number one overall pick. Then you've got Atlanta, who's got a 42.3% chance top three, 13.7 number one overall, and then Orlando at five, and I'll go like two more after this, who's at 29.1% top three, and then an 8.8% chance at number one overall. And then we got Chicago, who's 18.3 at the top three, and then a 5.3% chance. And then finally, Sacramento, because these two teams tied with the same record. So they also are 18.3% and a 5.3% chance at the number one overall pick. We don't really need to go that much more into some of these things. Basically, all this is here to say, we don't want Phoenix, Memphis, or Dallas really to end up with the number one overall pick, although it's very likely that at least one of those teams is going to do that. If you had to kind of pick a pecking order of those, I think you'd rather maybe Phoenix number one, Dallas the second choice there, and then Memphis three. I actually think Memphis might have a bit of a bounce back season next year when they're healthy with Gasol and Conley, and all of a sudden if you add the number one overall pick in there, some more talent on everything, that could be a little bit annoying if you're a Pelicans fan. Dallas is Dallas, and we just want them to be miserable because they're the Mavericks and they've made life in New Orleans basketball really annoying at times. Also, they have cap room. So if you get them the number one overall pick, maybe they attract a big money free agent and all of a sudden they're rebuilt and they've been bad. All is highly accelerated and they're in competition with the Pelicans some more. Phoenix, Eh, not in the division, but they're in the Western Conference. You'd rather have them, the number one overall pick, than the two teams in the division. And Phoenix has just got a lot of weird young talent, but is all of that going to mesh with Devin Booker, who's a tremendous player, by the way, but kind of a guy who needs the ball. And if all of a sudden you're looking to draft one of those other guys, Donix, maybe, who's, is he going to be able to get the ball to um, Devin Booker? Is, is Booker okay working off ball? Those are big questions here. If you're looking for maybe some teams to get the number one overall pick that are out of the West, Atlanta or Orlando are good options. Orlando is maybe the worst run franchise in the league right now. So give them the number one overall pick. Who really cares what they might do with it? Though, I'll tell you, that actually might be kind of scary given what we're going to talk about in the next segment here because I think that could be a good landing spot for a very good head coach, in my opinion. Chicago, Chicago, you don't really need to worry about them. I don't think they're going to be a player for Anthony Davis in free agency in a number of years where he's from. So cool. Go ahead and win the lottery, Chicago. You guys deserve it after taking Omer Oshik away from us here in New Orleans. That's it. Yeah, we want Chicago to win. They took Oshik. They gave us Miritich. Let's do them a favor and throw our collective voodoo behind the Chicago Bulls. I'm calling it now. I'm actually going to sim the lottery here when I'm with you guys. And well, okay. Phoenix one, Memphis two, Chicago three, Dallas four. So that sounds good to me. Let's do that. Um, and you kind of keep some of these teams from getting better picks. So that's the lottery. Keep an eye on it tonight. Yeah, we're going to be petty and not rooting for certain people. Screw them, right? Yeah, totally. So we'll find out what happens. And of course, we'll recap that part tomorrow on the podcast. Don't forget, Locked On NBA is five days a week. And right now, as I'm recording this, it's halftime between the Warriors and Rockets, and this game is fun. You need to make sure you're listening to Locked On NBA to catch up on everything going on in the conference finals because it's going to be some fun basketball. There's also tremendous topics all around the league. So make sure you subscribe and listen to Locked On NBA five days a week, at least on Wednesdays when I'm co-hosting alongside John Corrales of Locked On Celtics. So again, that's Locked on NBA five days a week.
So I have been informed by the Locked On Pelicans crew that we are in fact not allowed to root for the Chicago Bulls in tonight's draft lottery because, and this is a really, really good point, and I forgot about it, and I agree with them, Chicago rooted for the Pelicans to lose after the Miritich-Oshik deal because we gave them a first-round pick. They wanted that to be as high as possible, so all of a sudden they were rooting for New Orleans to lose. Therefore, due to the terms of this agreement, we are not allowed to root for them in the draft lottery. So I think we're back to Orlando, which, again... Team, good job in reminding me. This is why we have a G chat for this to share all of the stuff. Um, which now, so we're on Orlando's train. Go Orlando, and that's good. They need to do something right and get that fixed. They got a nice arena and stuff, and they might hire what's now maybe the best unemployed coach or one that you would hire here in the NBA. And to kind of jump into that, I'm going to let Sean Woodley with Locked On Raptors take it away. Hey, how's it going? This is Sean Woodley, the host of Locked On Raptors, here to break down the breaking news that Dwayne Casey, the seven-year head coach of the Toronto Raptors, has been let go by the team. This coming, of course, after they were swept for the second straight season by LeBron James and the Cavs, and there is a lot to get into with this. It is a decision that is sort of surprising, but at the same time isn't. Of course, like I don't think anyone could point to the series where the Raptors got swept by the Cavs and say that was all Dwayne Casey's fault. I think a lot of it is just LeBron is LeBron, and he is a powerful singular force who has owned not just the Raptors, but pretty much every other team in the Eastern Conference over the last decade. So I don't think it's a shocker that the Raptors were unable to sort of crack that nut. But I do sort of understand it from the perspective that you know, he didn't have a great series. It was a, it was a tough time. He did not have a defensive game plan that was well-crafted to stopping LeBron. And I think that kind of speaks to the larger issue of Dwayne Casey, which has always kind of been the thing with him, is that he's not the best tactical coach in the world. He is a very good, maybe one of the very best in the league at being a big-picture relationships guy, and he did an excellent job of that. When he was hired by the Raptors, the Raptors were in the middle of nowhere, absolutely listless as a franchise, and I think the decision to hire him was built, you know, a lot around his ability to sort of connect with players and build a culture and form good habits, and he did that, and the Raptors have you know, been the most successful they've ever been under Dwayne Casey. Five years in a row in the playoffs, 50 wins, three seasons straight, 59 wins, of course, this season after completely changing over the offense. And, you know, it's really sad to see Dwayne Casey go. He's a fantastic guy. He is really easy to deal with with the media. And he did a really great job shepherding this team along from a point that, you know, they really weren't supposed to become this good. You know, they were supposed to blow it up in 2013-14. They traded Rudy Gay. Kyle Lowry was almost out the door. And then, you know, after some friction, him and Casey, Lowry and Casey kind of figured things out, really sort of established a good bond. And, you know, you see where the Raptors are now. People clown them for losing to the Cavs, but no other team has gotten to play the Cavs in the playoffs three years in a row uh, in the second or third round. And I think it speaks very highly that the Raptors are the team that keeps getting beaten by LeBron, as weird as that sounds. You know, they've gotten further than most teams in the East. They have won more playoff series than any uh, any any team in the league aside from the Cavs and Warriors over the last three seasons so I think it's you know you can clown them all you want but in 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 the grand scheme of things the Raptors have become one of the more you know successful stable model franchises in the NBA and a lot of that has to do with Dwayne Casey so moving on from him does seem like a bit of a strange pivot at the same time I do think there there is some reason to it and I think you know part of the reason that you know 
the, I think the reflection of Dwayne Casey is that he's been so successful at building the culture and building the, the team from, you know, the, the ground up and sort of getting this big picture thing just sort of hammered down to its science. Like the, the Raptors are just a really well-run team in the regular season. They win a lot of games for a reason. He's very strict with rotations. He gets guys in roles. They know their roles and they perform them every night. And I think that is honestly so, sort of the reason that maybe a change is needed in that the Raptors have, have grown under Dwayne Casey to a point where they're no longer in need of a big picture coach anymore. They're in need of someone who's more of a tactical wizard who can kind of look at a series and not take a game or two to adjust, who can kind of, you know, change things up and throw different looks out there that, you know, maybe Dwayne Casey's been a little bit slow to get to in the past. So, you know, I think the next coach is going to be someone who's more of a tactical genius. You know, Jerry Stackhouse is a guy whose name has been thrown out there. I kind of throw Stackhouse just from what I've seen from him at the G League team so far with the Raptors. He's made the finals two years in a row, but I'm not sure he's got sort of the tactical acumen that you would want and who's going to be the next head coach you know I think he's probably a guy considering the job he's done as a development coach with the young guys at the G League you'd probably want for a younger team and if the Raptors are going to blow it all up and trade away Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Serge Ibaka, Jonas Valanciunas then maybe Stackhouse is the guy but I do think Casey getting fired kind of sense it gives me the sense at least and this could change of course but I do get the sense that, you know, DeRozan, Lowry, you know, whoever else is going to be back next season for one last kick with a new coach. Hopefully a new message message comes across. It's a way to sell it to the fan base that you're bringing back the same team that just got swept two years in a row, but it's going to have a different coach at the, at the helm. And I do think that coach is going to be more of a tactical guy who is more sort of, you know, lauded for his in-game expertise as opposed to more of a big picture thing. Because I, th- I think the Raptors at this point probably believe that their franchise is stable enough and, you know, has come far enough and is, is strong enough you know, as a culture and just sort of a, as, a, as an organization as a whole, that they can withstand not having a guy like Dwayne Casey to be the head coach who is so good at the big picture stuff. So guys I'm thinking about, Nick Nurse is the lead assistant for the Raptors right now. He was sort of the architect of the offensive change the Raptors did this season. And, you know, it worked really well. And he his playbook is deep. It's, it's advanced. And he has been on the sort of short list of coaching candidates for a little while. He's interviewed for a couple jobs here and there. Uh, so I'd expect him to get a long look. And then also the report coming out from Mark Stein and others is that uh, Mike Budenholzer is also someone that's high on Messiah Jiri's list. Uh, I, you know, people joke about Mike Budenholzer and, and sort of what happened with the Hawks this season. I think it would make some sense as long as he's not getting any sort of, you know, general managership of the team. I think that's probably what they would want to steer away from. If he's looking for complete power like he wanted in Atlanta, maybe that'll be a difficult sell for him. And I think that would be a difficult sell for the Raptors as well on their end. Um, but, you know, a guy like Budenholzer who, it, you know, while the, the Hawks were sort of known as this egalitarian, fun-loving team back in 2015 when they won 60 games, they were the second-best defense in the league. And maybe you can sort of count on Budenholzer to craft a better scheme to maybe go up against LeBron James. Here's the thing. No Raptors coach is changing the Raptors' forces against LeBron James unless LeBron James becomes a worse player, which doesn't seem to be on the horizon anytime soon. This, is, I think, is very much a PR move to try to sell the team, sell to the fans that the team coming back is going to have at least a bit of a different voice and maybe sell it as some sort of way to get around LeBron. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think any new coach is scheming around LeBron James, but uh, I do kind of understand the, the 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 pivot here to maybe go from a bigger picture guy to a more tactical guy. I really do think that's what it comes down to. Um, Dwayne Casey was a fantastic coach. He's going to be missed uh, by a lot of people in Toronto, and you know, it's a big risk. There's a good chance that the next coach is not as good a coach as Dwayne Casey, and I think 
case he should be scooped up by some other team almost immediately. I would bet like Orlando with Jeff Weltman, who was the Raptors GM last season. Maybe that's a candidate there. Um, and you know he's going to be caught, he's going to be picked up soon because he's an excellent coach. And any team that is in sort of disarray and needs to establish a culture should be calling up Dwayne Casey right this minute to get an interview set up. That's all I got in this for now. Check out Locked on Raptors. I'll have a full episode about all of this. We'll get into all the different angles of sort of the optics of the Dwayne Casey firing and sort of where to go from here, what kind of candidate the Raptors should be looking for, and uh, maybe throw some names out there and maybe, you know, sort of hypothesize what, what else we're going to see from this offseason, which apparently is going to feature lots of change, change for the Raptors, a team that has not changed a whole lot uh, in, in a bunch of years. So interesting times ahead for the Raptors. You can hear it all on Locked on Raptors uh, with myself, Sean Woodley, and thanks for tuning in. So Sean, does a great job in summing up how I feel about this. This isn't a good move, but you've got to sell your fan base on something. And maybe you do need a little bit more X's and O's on this team. But player development and getting a lot of these guys ready to play. Fred Van Vliet comes to mind. Some of the other guys there, when you look at them, and Deadspin had a really good article about this. They've got a number of guys that were reclamation projects or second-round draft picks or late first. They never really lucked in to a top draft pick. And from that, they built this kind of beastly team and even got them playing very different basketball this year and I've talked about this on here I've talked about it on Lockdown NBA and I think Dwayne Casey as Sean says should get snapped up by someone who's got a lot of young talent and the job that comes to mind with that right now is Orlando particularly then if they end up with the number one overall pick you might see him maybe you know wait a little bit and see kind of how it all shakes out with the lottery here they've got a lot of young talent that he needs to get the most out of that doesn't quite fit together maybe he's the guy to get it out of them kind of make the pieces mesh a little bit and maybe get another more X's and O's tactical guy with you. But Dwayne Casey probably shouldn't have been fired. I think this is a rash decision. I think he is one of the better coaches in the NBA and maybe going to be the coach of the year. That would actually be my pick over a guy like Brad Stevens, Quinn Snyder, or Alvin Gentry or Nate McMillan. God, there's a lot of good coaching that went on this past year. So interesting decision. And I mean, no one beats LeBron. That's just kind of how it goes. And I don't know if you fault a guy for that, but this is what it is. And you had to do something. And I understand it. It's just kind of a weird decision. And it's just one of those weird situations overall, but I get it. But I think he will end up with Orlando. That was my immediate reaction to hearing him was being fired because I think there's a good fit there. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. More tomorrow as we break down the draft lottery, we'll talk about um, what else? There's a number of other things. We got more basketball going on. We'll talk about. Um, there's a new hire over in Atlanta. So there's a lot to dive into still in the league right now and in the offseason is right now we're three days a week. I still haven't figured out the exact schedule that I'm going to go with yet. But don't forget, I'm also unlocked on NBA on Wednesdays. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.